In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So we've had a break from uh, discussing ancient church writings, so let's just give a quick overview again of um, what we are talking about. So we've been studying a uh, book called The Shepherd of Hermas. It was written by a person named Hermas, uh, who was a freed slave, and he received a vision um, that he wrote down in this book, The Shepherd. Um, and uh, he was told in this vision that he should share this with the church. This is something that was circulated uh, in the early church and that was read. Um, and so it was well known at the time. And uh, some of the early church fathers even consider it to be canonical, meaning inspired by the Holy Spirit. Although we do not consider it to be so, we still find it to be useful for reading. It's broken up into three sections. Um, the first section, there's five visions that he has that he describes, uh, and he records those. And then the next section is 12 mandates, which are like commandments that he received in this vision that he was told to share with the church. And then finally, there are uh, uh, 10 parables that are analogies. He sees, they're, they're all visions, but he sees these visions that are parables of teaching something that again, um, he was told to communicate with the church. So we had already discussed the five visions at the beginning, and we discussed the, the 12 mandates, and then now we are discussing the parables. Of the parables, we said there's 10. Um, most of them are pretty short. The ninth parable is the longest one, and maybe one of the most interesting ones. So we're going to get through um, probably most of the parables today, and then next time we'll discuss the ninth parable, and then the tenth one is very short after it, and that'll be the conclusion, God willing, of the series uh, about the Shepherd of Hermas. Okay, so um, again, to give you a flavor, like part of the goal of this series is to give you a flavor of the text itself, right? Because, um, you know, listening to sermons is, is one thing, and of course we, we enjoy listening to sermons and topics about all kinds of things, but when you go and you read the source material that um, a lot of our faith comes from, it gives you a deeper sense of what we believe and where did it come from, right? It's, it's not just an invention of a person, it's, it's something that the church has had in the tradition of the church for hundreds and thousands of years, uh, that we go back to it, we understand this material, where it came from. So for each of these parables and for each of, of these so far, we, we read uh, a few quotations um, from it to give you a sense, and then we speak a little briefly about it. Okay. So the third parable is about the just and the sinners are not notably different in externals. He says, he showed me, so this is in his vision, he's seeing this vision. He showed me many leafless trees that seemed to me to be withered and all alike. And he said to me, do you see these trees? Yes, sir, I said, I do. They are all dry and of the same kind. And answer, he said, the trees you see are the people living in this world. Why, I said, are they dry and alike? Because, he said, in this world neither the just nor sinners are manifest, but they are alike. For this world is winter for the just, and they are not distinguishable while living with sinners. For just as in winter trees that have shed their leaves are alike, and do not look dry as they really are, or living, so in this world neither the just nor sinners look as they are, but all are alike. So he's giving this analogy to um, uh, like a forest in the winter time. A forest in the winter time where all the trees shed their leaves and they all look dry and dead. Um, you cannot distinguish between the trees that are actually dead and the trees that are alive that will um, have leaves growing on them again in the, in the, in the spring 
uh, and the summer, you can't make a distinction between the two just by looking at them. So the point he is making here is the world is like the winter. And in the winter, everyone looks the same. Okay. Um, now, of course, this doesn't mean that we cannot see that there are some people who have virtues and some people don't. But he's saying that in heaven, the glory of each person will be revealed to the fullest. So in heaven, we'll be able to see truly the people, who is who. And of, and of course, there are some people who will be judged to go to heaven and some people will be judged to go to hell. And this is not clear here. Right here, like we look at, we see people. We see, okay, we're all human beings. We're all living on the earth. Like we all have very similar um, situations in many ways. But in, when when spring comes, or like when when people die now and we're going to the afterlife, then it will be revealed. Okay, the the fullness of the difference between those who have been judged um, favored by God versus those who are not. So it gives us a sense of, you know, not to be fooled by the 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 world and and the way we perceive ourselves in it. The fourth parable is the summer season brings out the difference between the trees. So this is the follow-up. He says, once, once more he showed me trees, some in bloom and some shriveled, and said to me, do you see these trees? Yes, sir, I said. I see some in bloom and some shriveled. Those that are in bloom, he said, are the just, destined to live in the world to come. For the world to come is summer for the just, but it is winter for sinners. When the Lord's mercy shines forth, then will God's servants be made manifest. So will all be made manifest. Just as in summer the fruits of every single tree come to light, and we know that they are, so will the fruits of the just be manifest, and it will be known that all are flourishing in that world. So again, the, the fullness of what God made us to be will be fully manifested um, in heaven, where the glory of each person will be known and will be seen. Parable 5, fasting on station days is not enough. Station days means like the days that are appointed by the church for fasting. It says, while I was fasting, seated on a mountain and giving thanks to the Lord for all his benefits to me, I saw the shepherd seated beside me saying to me, the, sh the shepherd is the angel that is revealing this uh, vision to him. Why did you come here so early in the morning? Because I am keeping a station, sir, I said. What is a station, he said. I am fasting, sir, I said. What is this fast you are engaged in, he said. I fast, sir, as I am accustomed, I said. You do not know how to fast to the Lord, he said. And this unprofitable fast you keep for him is not a fast either. Why do you say this, sir, I said. I declare that this is not a fast as you think it is. I shall teach you what is a fast complete and acceptable to the Lord. Pay attention. So this is maybe getting our attention because we have a lot of fasts in our church. Um, actually, most of the year is fasting. Uh, and so for, for, for him to say, no, what you're doing is actually not fasting. So what is he going to say? God does not wish vain fasting of this kind. When you fast thus for God's sake, you accomplish nothing for justice. Here is the fast you must keep for God. Do not commit any wicked deed in your life and serve the Lord with a pure heart. Keep his commandments by walking according to his directions and do not let any evil desire enter your heart. Have faith in God. If you do this and fear him and refrain from every evil act, you will live to God. And by doing this, you will also perform a fast that is great and acceptable to God. So the idea of the fast is that it's not just a fast from food, but it is a fast from sin. Right? It is to keep ourselves pure. And this is actually also what God said to the people in the Old Testament. And he told them, I reject your fast. Right? Because even as you say about yourself that you are fasting, you are still uh, oppressing the poor and you're doing injustice and you're committing all kinds of sin. So I reject the fast that you are offering. This is what God told them. Let me tell you the parable I have in mind relative to fasting. A man had a field and numerous servants. One part of the field he planted as a vineyard. 
Then he chose a dependable, respected, and honest servant, summoned him, and said, Take this vineyard I planted and fence it in till I come. Do not, uh, do, not do anything else to the vineyard. Do, do this, and you will receive from me your freedom. Then the master of that slave went off to a foreign country. When he had left, the slave took the vineyard and fenced it in. After finishing it, he noticed that the vineyard was full of weeds. He thought the matter over to himself and said, I have done what my master ordered. I shall dig this vineyard. It will be neater having, uh, after having been dug. Without weeds, it will yield more fruit, since the fruit will not be choked by weeds. So he went and dug the vineyard and plucked up all the weeds that were in it. Then the vineyard became very neat and flourishing, without any weeds to choke it. After a while, the master of the slave and of the field returned to his vineyard. When he saw that the vineyard had been fenced in properly, and over and above this had been dug and cleared of weeds, and that the vines were flourishing, he was exceedingly glad at the work of his slave. So he summoned his beloved son, who was his heir, and his friends, who were his advisors, and told them what he had ordered his slave to do and what he found. So he told the slave to do uh, the minimal, which is to fence in the vineyard. The, after the, the, the slave saw this, he not only did what he was commanded, but he went beyond this and he also cleaned the vineyard of the weeds. So the master, when he saw, he was very happy and he is now speaking to his friends and also to his heir. So he's speaking also to his son about what is it that this slave has done. They also were happy at the master's testimony in favor of his slave. The latter said to them, I promise freedom to the slave if he observed the order I gave him. He has kept my order, and besides, to my great pleasure, he has done a good work in the vineyards. So as a reward for this, I wish to make him joint heir with my son, because when the good thought came, he did not neglect it, but put it into execution. So he's saying, not only am I going to set him free, but I want him to be an heir, to inherit this vineyard, just as my son is inheriting the vineyard. With this intention of his son, the ma uh, with, with this intention, uh, of his, the son of the, of the master agreed. The slave should be joint heir. A few days later, his master had a banquet and sent him many dainties from the feast. The slave, however, took from the dainties, sent him by his master only what was sufficient for himself, and distributed the remainder to his fellow slaves. Then the fellow slaves, in their joy at receiving the dainties, began praying in his behalf that he might find even greater favor with his master, for he treated them so well. All this his master heard and once more was exceedingly pleased with his conduct. So he called together his friends once more and his son and let them know what he had done with the dainties he had received. These called together were all the more agreed that he should be joint heir with the son. I said, sir, I do not know these parables and cannot understand them unless you explain them to me. So he's saying, what does this story mean? Why are you telling me this story? What does it have to do with the fasting that we were just talking about? I shall explain everything to you, he said. And anything I tell you, I shall make clear to you. Keep the commandments of the Lord, and you will be well-pleasing to God. You will be inscribed in the number of those who keep his commandments. But if you do some good over and above God's commandment, you will acquire all the greater glory and will be held in that much greater honor in the sight of God with whom you are destined to be. Therefore, if you also perform these additional services while keeping God's commandments, joy will be yours, provided you observe them in accordance with my commands. So he's, the, the kind of the lesson behind this is we should not try to do the minimum because sometimes this is the approach that we take when it comes to the spiritual things and, and maybe specifically when it comes to fasting. You know, what is the minimum that I can do in order to fulfill the law that was given, which is the law of fasting? And we kind of walk the line, the very edge of what is considered allowed, right? 
Whereas he, here, this example is someone who not only does the minimum, but goes beyond the minimum. And this is the one who is truly pleasing in the eyes of God. So it's something for us to kind of think about ourselves is, am I doing the absolute minimum in my spiritual life? Or am I trying to go deeper and be willing to go even more and more? It reminds me actually, uh, one time, a long, long time ago, uh, I was speaking to someone uh, who was fasting on a specific day. And then they realized that that day was not supposed to be a fasting day. And they got upset with themselves. And they're like, oh, I fasted when I didn't have to fast, right? So maybe, again, this is, this is reflecting our attitude. You know, it's like we want the minimum. You know, it's like if it's something that I don't absolutely have to do, we, we don't want to do it, maybe even we regret it. This fasting, which consists in the observance of the commandments of the Lord, he said, is very beautiful. This is the way to keep the fast you intend to observe. Before anything else, abstain from every wicked word and every evil desire and clear your heart of all the vanities of this world. If you observe this, your fast will be perfect. Act as follows. After having done what is prescribed on the day of your fast, do not taste anything except bread and water. Of course, this is a very high spiritual level. Compute the total expense for the food you would have eaten on the day on which you intended to keep it fast and give it to a widow, an orphan, or someone in need. In this way, you will become humble in soul so that the beneficiary of your humility may fill his soul and pray to the Lord for you. So again, the principle is, what is it that I can offer to God from my heart? not limited to what is required of me, but just as the Lord Christ, if somebody asks you to walk with them one mile, walk with them two miles, right? Because the first mile is an obligation, whereas the second mile is an act of love. The sixth parable, the joyous shepherd and the carefree sheep. After telling me this, he said, let us go into the field and I shall show you the shepherds with their sheep. Yes, sir, I said, let's go. On going into the field, he pointed out to me a young shepherd dressed in a suit of saffron-colored garments. He was feeding an extremely large number of sheep, who were apparently well-fed and frisky and gam gambling joyously here and there. The shepherd himself was happy with his flock, and his whole appearance was joyous as he ran about among his sheep. He said to me, Do you see this shepherd? Yes, sir, I said. This, he said, is the angel of luxury and deceit. He wears down the souls of God and makes them turn away from the truth by deceiving them with evil desires that are their death. Consequently, they forget the commandments of the living God and walk in deceits and vain luxury. Thus are they led to destruction by this angel, some to death, some to corruption. I said to, I said to him, Sir, I do not know what this means, death and corruption. I shall tell you, he said, the sheep you see joyously gamboling are those who have been completely drawn away from God and have surrendered themselves to the lust of the world. For these persons, there is no repentance unto life because, God, because God's name is being blasphemed by them. Their life is death. So he's saying that to the believer, oftentimes the distraction from a life with God is the pursuit of luxury and wealth um, and the things and the pleasures in the world. And nowhere in the scripture does God say that riches are sin, because actually riches are a blessing that God gives to those whom he deems to have them. But he does say that the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and he says that it is difficult for those who are rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, because riches are very tempting, and it is easy for people to stumble when they have been given this. So it is not that the riches are sin, but those who have riches should be very cautious and careful with their use because they can quickly lead someone to sin. 
and to pursue them at the expense of other things that are even more important in this life. And this is what he is describing here. This shepherd is like one who is attracting the sheep to this life of sin and luxury and, 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 and vain pleasure, and so they are going astray because of him. There is another set of sheep, okay, um, it says, the sheep you see not gamboling, but standing in one place and grazing, are those who have given themselves up to luxury and deceit, uh, but have not committed any blasphemy against the Lord. So this is another category. So they are still kind of attracted by this luxury, but they has not resulted in them reaching the point of blasphemy against God. They are those then who have been led away from the truth. There is hope of repentance for them, and so of life. Their perversion then holds the, the holds some hope of renovation, but death means everlasting ruin. Once more, we went forward a little distance, and he pointed out to me a shepherd, large and quite savage in appearance. He was dressed in a white goatskin and a bag on his on shoulders. In his hands was a very rough staff with knots in it and a whip. So now he's seeing a third shepherd. His look was so fierce that I was afraid of him. This shepherd was constantly receiving from a young shepherd sheep that were frisky and well-fed, but not gamboling about, and he threw them into a place that was steep and full of thorns and thistles. The sheep could not disentangle themselves from the thorns and th thistles, therefore, but became entangled in them. These sheep, entangled in the thorns and thistles, were very miserable, because they were being beaten by him. Though they went here and there, he gave them no rest. They could not lie down at ease anywhere at all. I said to the shepherd who was talking to me, Sir, who is this heartless and savage shepherd so utterly without pity for, the, for these sheep? He is the avenging angel, he said, one of the just angels entrusted with punishment. He takes those who have wandered away from God and have walked in the lusts and deceits of this world and punishes according to their deserts with very dreadful punishments. I would like to know, sir, I said, what these very punishments are. I shall tell you, he said, the tortures and punishments are temporal. Some are punished with losses, some by poverty, some by divers sickness, some by lack of any permanent abode, some from the insults of unworthy persons and sufferings of all kinds. For many persons who are unsettled in their plans set their hands at many things, but no progress at all is in them. So one thing we see here is things are flipped from what we would expect. Because in the world, people tend to think that when God blesses someone with all kinds of material wealth, and all kinds of good things in the world, that this is a blessing of God, and that this is a good thing, and this is actually what we all desire and pursue. And when someone loses these things, or does not have these things, then this is actually a curse, and this is like God is not showing favor to this person. Maybe as human beings, this is how we tend to think. When disaster happens, we think of it as this is the abandonment of God. Whereas here, what he is describing is the opposite. He's saying, actually, those people who have the riches, they are the ones in the greatest danger. And then in order for God to save them from this danger, he removes from them the desires that they have, the things that they want, or those luxuries that were leading them into sin, or allowing them to experience some kind of trial in the world, and that this is actually what brings them back to the truth. So, so, so what we actually are escaping from, and what we do not want to experience and have, in the eyes of God, maybe this is actually the way of salvation. Right? And this is what he is saying here. This third group, which maybe even when we read the description, we look at it as like, this is, this is evil. Why are you savage and you are treating the sheep this way? And yet in the eyes of God, this is what brings someone to safety because they are led away from the sources of sin. 
So for many persons who are unsettled in their plans set their hands at many things, but make no progress at all in them. They say that they are not doing well in their pursuits, but it does not occur to them that they have committed wicked deeds. Instead, they blame the Lord. When they have suffered every affliction, they are handed over to me for sound instruction. Then they are strengthened in the faith of the Lord, and the rest of their life they serve the Lord with a pure heart. Now when they repent, they recall the evil deeds that they committed, and that the point, and at that point they praise God. They declare that God is a just judge, and they suffered each in, their measure of his, in the measure of his actions. In the future, they serve the Lord with pure hearts and prosper in their pursuits, receiving from the Lord everything they asked for. Then, too, they praise the Lord for having been handed over to me and never again suffer any evil. So these people who are actually experiencing the suffering, that at the end of it, they recognize why they did and are thankful to God for it, right? And this is maybe a, a, a stage where we, you know, uh, where we see things very clearly, that we are thankful to God for the trials he sends because we know that they are our salvation and that God is only sending them because we need them. And instead of seeing them as something to escape, we see them as something good to embrace. Now, again, this is not easy to reach such a state, right? But this is where we are trying to be, to see that the world around us and the suffering that is in it, even though this suffering maybe is, is evil in the sense this is God does not enjoy our suffering, but he uses these opportunities to actually keep us safe and to bring us to the truth. The seventh parable Hermas is handed over to the avenging angel. After a few days, I saw him in the same plain where I had seen the shepherds. And he said to me, what are you looking for? I am here, sir, I said, to have you command the avenging shepherd to leave my house because he is afflicting me very much. You have to be afflicted. So he's, he's experiencing this affliction from this avenging shepherd. And so then the, this angel is responding and he's saying, you have to be afflicted. Such is the injunction of the glorious angel in your regard, he said, for he wants you to be put to the test. What have I done, sir, that is so wicked that I must be handed over to this angel? I shall tell you, he said, your sins are numerous, but not so numerous that you must be handed over to this angel. However, your household has committed many sins and iniquities, and the glorious angel is embittered at their deeds. Hence, he has given orders that you should be afflicted for a while, that they also may repent and cleanse themselves of every lust of this world. When they repent and are cleansed, then the angel will desist from punishment. Even St. Paul the Apostle himself, when he went through difficulties in his life and he asked God to remove the thorn from his side and the suffering that he experienced, the, the Lord answered no. He said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. That even St. Paul himself had to go through trial and, 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 and suffering in order for him to be protected from pride, in order for him to be protected from being puffed up because of all of the things that God was doing through him. So, so suffering is not a sign of God's abandonment or of God's disapproval. Actually, it is a sign of God's love and compassion on us to keep us grounded. The eighth parable, this will be the last one we discussed today. This is uh, the parable of the willow. He showed me an ample willow, which is a kind of tree, covering plains and mountains. And in its shelter came all those called by the name of the Lord. The glorious, exceedingly tall angel of the Lord stood by the willow with a mighty sickle. He was lopping off branches and distributing them to the people in the shelter of the willow. He also distributed small rods about two feet long. After everyone had received rods, the angel put aside his sickle, yet the tree was as sound as when, it had f when I had first seen it. 
I wondered at this to myself, and I said, how can the tree be sound after so many branches have been lopped from it? So all these branches are being cut off, but the tree is still standing and is fine. So he's asking, how is it that it can be so? The shepherd said to me, do not wonder that the tree remains sound after so many branches have been lopped from it. This, uh, let this go until you have seen everything, and the meaning will be made clear to you. The angel who had distributed the rods was asking them, uh, asking them back from them. In order... In, uh, in the order in which they had received the rods, they were summoned to him, and each returned his rod to him. The angel of the Lord received them and scrutinized them carefully. So everyone was given these rods, and now the angel is asking them to return the rod again. The angel of the Lord ordered crowns to be brought. When the crowns apparently made of palm had been brought, he bestowed them on those who had returned the rods with buds and some fruit and sent them to the tower. He also sent the rest of them to the tower, those who had returned rods that were green and budding, but without fruit, and after giving, them, uh, after giving them a seal. On their way to the tower, they all had the same cloak, white as snow. He also sent off those who had returned the rods that were green as, as when they received them, and giving them a white cloak and seals. This finished, the angel, this finished, the angel said to the shepherd, I am going away. Send off those persons to dwell in their place within the walls according to their desert. So the people who received these rods and they returned them back in a good condition, those people were rewarded by going to the tower. Okay, so this is, this is like their reward for working with the rod or working with the talents and the gifts and the, that the Lord had given them. Send them off only after having looked carefully at their rods. Yes, scrutinize them carefully. Make sure that no one slips by you, he said. But if someone does go by you, I shall put him to the test at the altar. With these words, so the shepherd went away. After the departure of the angel, the shepherd said to me, Let us take the rods of all and plant them. Perhaps some of them may be able to live. I said to him, Sir, how can these dry rods live? He answered and said, This tree is a willow and naturally tenacious of life. So if they are planted and get a little moisture, many of the rods will live. Then we shall try to pour water on them also. If any of them can live, I shall join it in its joy. But if it cannot live, it will be discovered that I was not unsolicitous. The shepherd ordered me to call them just as they were stationed. They came up rank by rank and returned their rods to the shepherd. On receiving them, the shepherd planted the rods row by row. After planting them, he poured water on them so copiously that the rods could not be seen in the water. After he had watered the rods, he said to me, Let us go. After a few days, we shall return and look at the rods. For he who created this tree wishes all who have taken branches from it to live. I also hope the majority of these rods, after receiving moisture and having been watered, will live. So the people who did not return the rods in a good condition, he said, we're going to give them another chance. We're going to take the rods and we're going to put them in the ground and we're going to water them to see if even now the rods can still bear fruit and become green. This tree that covers plain and mountain and the whole earth is the law of God. So that's what the tree represents, is the law of God given to the whole world. This law is the Son of God, proclaimed to the ends of the earth. The persons under its shelter are the persons who have heard the proclamation and believed in him. The great and glorious angel is Michael, who has power over this people and is their captain. For it is Michael who inspires the law in the hearts of believers. He inspects closely the persons to whom he gave it to see whether they have kept the law. You can see the rods of each individual person, for they are the law. You, you see that many rods have been made useless, so you can know that all these persons fail to keep the law. You also will see their dwelling. Sir, I said to him, why did he send some to the tower while he left some behind? 
He has left behind in my power those who violated the law they received from him, from him to see whether they will repent. But those who have already satisfied the law and kept it as he keeps under his own jurisdiction. Sir, who are those who have received their crowns and have gone into the tower? They are those who have wrestled with the devil and have defeated him. They are crowned. They are the ones who suffered for the law. So those people who were like, like lived and sacrificed themselves for the sake of the law of God and were very obedient and submitted their will to God, those are the ones who return the rods that are, that are, that are green okay, and, and have fruit on them. The others also have returned in person green rods with buds but without fruit, have endured persecution for the law but have not suffered. So the second group, the ones who return the rods with buds but without fruit, are those who were persecuted but have not gone through a lot of suffering. However, they did not deny their law. Those who return their rods green as they received them are holy and just and walk in extreme purity of heart, keeping the commandments of the Lord. The rest you will know when I inspect closely the rods that were planted and watered. So at this point, all of the rods are examined, and, and, and that had been watered and some of them had improved and were green and others remained dried and withered. So he goes through this long section examining all the different rods that had been watered and, and discarding the ones um, or, 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 or finding that some were improved and others were remained withered and died. Do you see, he said, how many repented and were saved? Yes, I do. Uh, I said, it is, he said, that you may realize that the superabundant mercy of the Lord is mighty and glorious, and that he has granted his spirit to those who are worthy of repentance. Why is it, sir, I said, that all do not repent? He has granted repentance to those whose heart, he says, is going to be made pure, and who will serve him with their whole heart. But lest his name be again defiled, he has not granted repentance to those whose guile and wickedness he saw, for they were making a sham of repentance. So those people who had their heart open to repentance, he allowed them to repent and he, he accepted them again. But those people who rejected and were not going to repent, he also rejected. Many of them, as you see, have repented since you spoke my commandments to them. More will repent. But those who will not repent have lost their life. However, those of their number who have repented have become good and their dwelling is within the first walls. Some even went up to the tower. So you see, he said that repentance for sins means life, but failure to repent means death. Th so then he goes on and he speaks about these people who have these um, half-dried branches. I'm not going to go into the detail. Uh, and these partly green and partly dry branches. Um, and then there were those who had uh, two-thirds of the branches were dry. So he's going through all of these different categories. And then another group that is like these branches that have green tips. Um, and then finally, he makes this call for conversion. He says, after finishing the explanation of, of the rods, he said to me, go off and tell everybody to repent and to live to God. The Lord in his mercy has sent me to grant repentance to all, although some are unworthy because of their works. But in his long suffering, the Lord wishes those that were called through his son to be saved. I said to him, sir, <coughs> I hope that those who have heard this will repent. I am quite sure that each one who re realizes his personal acts will repent out of fear of the Lord. He answered and said, Those who repent with their whole heart and cleanse themselves of all wickedness just described without ever adding to their former sin will receive from the Lord a remedy for their former sins. Provided they are not beset by doubt in fulfilling my commandments, they will live to God. But those who add to their sins and revert to the lusts of the world will bring the judgment of death on themselves. As for you, walk in my commandments and live to God, 
They too will live to God who walk in these commandments and act uprightly. After showing and telling me all this, he said, I shall show you the rest in a few days. So after this, there's some additional parables. God willing, we'll discuss really the main one next time. Um, um, and then we will conclude. So the, the aim of all of these parables, and specifically this one, is a call for repentance and to show that there's all these different categories of people. Each one of us responds to the word of God in a different way. And God is aware of each one of us and how is it that we respond. And he's not willing or wanting us to perish. He's not quick to destroy. You notice that even after he gave the rods, those people who returned the rods and they were dried and dead, he didn't just judge them at the moment, in the instant. He gave them another opportunity. He said, okay, now we will water the rods and we will give you another chance in order to bear fruit. And then came the judgment at the end. You know, the scripture says that God is not wanting to see the death of the sinner, but rather he, he turns and lives. He wants us to return. He wants us to repent and he gives us <coughs> many opportunities to do so. So that is kind of the overall theme um, of this parable. Any questions or comments before we conclude? Okay, God willing, next time we will conclude this whole series um, about the Shepherd of Hermes. Uh, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, God, for this day. We ask for your blessing in everything. We ask that you guide us, and you be with us, and you protect us from all the temptations of the enemy. Call us, O Lord, to repentance and help us to have hope in you that you will transform us and change us and make us to love, O Lord, the things that are pure and righteous. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.